Amen. You ever have those songs that just kind of take you back to somewhere else? I, uh, I was sitting there just listening to that song, and I was thinking about just the, don't, you know, we can overanalyze things, and, and um, but I was thinking about the reckless nature of, of God's love for, for just me and my life, and how, um, how he pursued, and how he came after, and how he didn't take my initial nose for an answer. And, um, and, and you know, that's the, the, the great thing about, you know, the God that we serve is that um, he's, he's relentless. Uh, he's not going to let us continue walking away from him, but he is going to pursue us. And uh, I, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that he pursued me. I'm thankful that uh, he didn't give up on me. And uh, I want to I kind of talk a little bit about that this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Psalm chapter 27. Um, we are beginning a new series this morning uh, entitled One Thing. And I was having a conversation with a pastor friend of mine back a couple of months ago, and uh, we were just talking about, you know, just some different things going on. And he had mentioned, he said, we got to talking about sermons, and he said, you know, the, the one thing line of thought in the scriptures uh, is really an interesting track if you want to spend some time studying it. And I didn't think a whole lot about it at the time, but uh, as I was spending some time in my office and I was reading through, I thought, you know, I'm going to track this thing out and just see how this thing goes. And as I, the more I read it and the more I studied it, the more I really liked it. And you see, there are five statements that specifically say one thing. This morning, we're going to look at one thing I ask. And if you look kind of at the bottom, I don't know how much you can, can tell that, but they're at the bottom of the, of the slide. One thing I ask, one thing you lack, uh, one thing is necessary, or, or you could say one thing you need, uh, one thing I know, and one thing I do. And so over the course of this week and the next four weeks, we're going to be spending some time looking at these five one thing statements. I don't know if you pay much attention to, to I, I pray you do, because uh, for me it, it always uh, kind of signals the, the beginning of the worship service when Melissa uh, reads some scripture and she usually expounds on it a little bit and then she prays for us. But I appreciated so much her words this morning, and, and she used a word that fit kind of where we're at this morning, uh, and it's that word distraction. Now, she referred to distraction of sin, but I read somewhere one time that God says, if, or there were, were, uh, where someone had written, said, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And, and, and the more I kind of think about that, and the more I have, have thought about that, that thought over the last uh, since I read it initially, is that, you know, there are a lot of things in our world today that distract us. Now, uh, sin is most certainly a distraction, but think about even how we set up our priorities, or, or think about how, what, are, what vies for our attention, or what even vies for our affections, and how, and how distracted we can be in, in all these things. And so, I, for me, this one thing series is, 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 is really kind of a continuation of the blessed life that we just got done finishing in the sense that uh, I want you to live a life that is blessed by God. And so uh, we're going to kind of continue with that frame of, mind, frame of thought, but also help us to establish some, some kind of, to, to reprioritize things, to establish some healthy priorities in our life because we can so easily uh, be distracted. I, you know, I know for, for 
Um, well, let's just let's dive in this morning. Psalm chapter twenty-seven. Let me give you a little bit of a, a, a repre- or a little bit of a, some context here. David, uh, there's some varying theories about what's going on in David's life on this particular psalm. But the reality is, in this psalm, David is facing some difficulties. And, and, and within the first, uh, and around verse four, David addresses this one thing that we need to navigate life. David understands probably more so than anybody that life can be difficult. And sometimes those difficulties are of, of, of no doing of our own. We remember the study of the book of Job. Job had done nothing wrong. And yet he had some trials, and, and, and well, that's kind of putting it lightly. Uh, excuse me, Job had some devastating things happen in his life. There are other times when, when, when life is difficult because we've made it difficult on ourselves. We've made poor decisions, or we've, we've, t- we've made poor choices, or we've done, we've, we've made, uh, um, uh, we, we've chosen wrongly, or whatever the case may be. And, and David, to me, in this, in this psalm, kind of touches on all those things, but also he, he, he makes this statement, and, and it's the one statement that I think in, in all this psalm that we need to understand helps us navigate the difficulties of life more so than anything else. In fact, I had a conversation this week with a guy, and, and, and I had him, uh, he was doing some work for me, and, and, uh, and, and before he, he left, he said, hey, can I talk to you for a few minutes? And I said, yeah, it's not a problem at all. And so we're, we're, he, he begins to, to tell me about some difficulties that he's having in his life, and he said, he said, Andy, I'd just like for you to, to pray for me. Now, this guy doesn't go to church. He, he, he's got a little bit of church background, but not a whole lot. But we're having this conversation. We're talking. And, and, and we were actually down at, at Conway, and, and we, walk into, we walk into the sanctuary, and we continue talking about this particular difficulty that he's having. And as we're sitting there talking, it was, it was almost like it was a perfect opportunity to talk about because what he was dealing with was exactly what we're talking about this morning. This one thing I ask. You see, what he needed wasn't the prayer of a preacher. What he needed was the very thing that David is talking about in Psalm chapter 27. So if you have your Bible, Psalm chapter 27, verse 4. David says this, one thing have I asked of the Lord. He says, one thing I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I can gaze upon his beauty or upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, my prayer this morning, as as David wrote in Psalm 84, that as the deer pants for the water, Lord, that our souls would long for you. Lord, I pray that as David said, this one thing I ask and this one thing that I seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord, that I would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and that I would inquire in the temple of the Lord, Father, that we would have that same desire, Lord. We know that our world is is full of distraction, that, Lord, our lives are filled with distraction. Lord, there are things that are just clever marketing that, that, that draws our attention away. Lord, but there are also maybe some idols in our hearts that are drawing our affections away from you. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would help us to set the priority that we have a desire, Lord, to, to dwell in your house, to, to gaze upon your beauty, and to inquire of the Lord. That, Father, that the, the, this is the thing that we need, the one thing we need to help us navigate 
the storms of this life. I'm thankful not only for that verse, but I'm thankful for the, for the whole chapter of, of Psalm 27. I'm thankful for the book of Psalms. God, I'm thankful for the whole counsel of God that you give us in your word that helps us navigate, that gives us encouragement, that speaks words of strength into our souls, that gives us courage to stand when, when it feels like everything else may be around us, that gives us the hope, Lord, that we know, as David writes later on in this book, that I know I will see these things in the land of living, that I will experience these things in this life I have on earth. And God, I desire more than anything for our people to live the blessed life. And Lord, I know in order for them to live that, and according to your word, in order for them to live that, Lord, we must live in your presence. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would just bless us as we're here together. Lord, I know even as we sit here today, Lord, our minds may be wandering to those that are sick, Father. We've got some that are gone this morning that are, have parents in the hospital or they themselves are in the hospital. Or they're under the weather this morning or, or, or there's burdens and things and, and, and situations and circumstances that we're thinking about now. But God, I pray that for the, for the next 30 minutes or so as we study your word, Lord, that you would speak life into us, you speak truth into us, that God, we would, have, that we would understand the hope that we have in you, the confidence that we have in you, and Father, ultimately, who you are in, in, uh, for us in our life. God, you are such a blessing to us. And God, I pray today that we might understand the blessings of your presence, for it's in Christ's name and for his glory we ask it all. Amen. As I alluded to it in the prayer, you know, there's a lot of things going on in this, in this text, but one thing that kind of leaps out to me as we look at this, this, this book of Psalm 27, or this chapter, Psalm 27, as we dive into this verse, that we're in verse 4, when he says, one thing I ask and one thing I will seek after. And so again, and he says, I want to dwell in the, in the house of the Lord and, and, I, and, and all the, the, the days of my life. It reminds me of what David says in Psalm 84 when he says, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And what's David saying when he's saying, you know, one thing I, I ask that I would dwell in the courts of the Lord forever uh, for all the days of my life. And what's he mean by, he says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. He's saying there's nothing better than being in the presence of God. There's nothing better. Matter of fact, there's nothing better than, 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 than for, you know, for me, there are few things better than gathering on a Sunday morning with God's people and singing praises to his name and, and being able to, to share the good things that God has done uh, throughout the week and to learn more about him and just worship together as a family of God. There is something special about the presence of God. And David says, I want to I wanna live there. Better is one day in your presence, God, than thousand anywhere else. But I think sometimes that gets lost on us. I think sometimes we lose that one thing, this one thing I ask, that I would dwell in your presence, that I would gaze upon your beauty, that I would inquire uh, in your house, that to, to, to have those things. We those get lost on us. It, it becomes, well, if there's nothing better for me to do on, on Sundays, then I'll, I'll go to church. If there's not something that sounds... And, and listen, I, I'm, there's just something special about us being together. It is, a, it is mutually encouraging. It, it is beneficial for us to be together. And I want to spend some time this morning talking about this presence of God. You see, for most of us, we know that the core belief or a core tenet or a foundational truth 
in the scriptures is, is that God is omnipresent. That's a, that's a, a Greek word, uh, meaning that God is everywhere present, that God is, is everywhere all at the same time, that he's here in, in our midst this morning. He's over at Life Point this morning. He's over at First Assembly of God. He's at every church. He's in every home. He's in every place, whether people want him there or not. God is everywhere present. Now, that, that is way above my pay grade. I do not understand that. But I know as I kneel in prayer uh, at night that, that God hears my prayers. And I know that as you kneel simultaneously, if all of us knelt at the same time and prayed, God would individually hear our prayers as if he were right there with us in the room, and he is, but he would hear those things. I don't understand that. My, my human brain cannot comprehend his ability to do that. But David alludes to it in, in Psalm 139 when he says, Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the, the light about me is night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. And so he says, uh, you know, that God, you're, you're everywhere. There's nowhere that we can go. And as we look at this request of David, it's more than just acknowledging God's simple presence. It's so much more than that. He says, I want to I dwell. I want to live. I don't want to just merely pass through. I don't want to be on vacation. I don't want to just come to you when life is difficult. I want to live in your presence all the day long. I think it's what Paul's kind of alluding to when he says, be constant in prayer. That we live in this knowledge that we have the presence of God over us all the time. That God literally walks ahead of us and behind us and beside us. That we are never anywhere completely alone. He says, I want to dwell. I want to live in it. I want to I know it. I want to experience it. He says, I want to gaze on your beauty. You know, to gaze, when I gaze at something, it's different than just glancing at it, isn't it? You know, we live, I think, in a society sometimes where we're glancers. We glance at something, and what do we do? We want to catch it, so we pull the cell phone out, and we live through a lens. We live through a screen. You know, there are some things in life that we just need to take the time to etch them in the memories of, in the pastels and the colors of our, of our minds. To not just be so quick to pull out a cell phone and snap a shot, but be in the moment. You know, as a parent, you know, I... I I, I, Friday is usually my day off. Friday is my day to spend with Eric. Ashley comes into work and I get to spend the day just him and me. But if I'm not careful, though he and I are together, I'm not present. You get it? I can be buried in my phone or I can be buried in other texts. I'm there with my son. I'm physically in the same room with him, but I'm not present with him. And I think sometimes that's kind of what our, our you know, kind of mentality is, that sometimes we don't think about, you know, we're just disconnected. We know God's there, but we're not, we're not connected. We're not present with him. He's doing something. And, and it's kind of role reverse a little bit where, where, where we, you know, we're just not engaged. We're not thinking about dwelling and gazing and, and spending that time acknowledging his beauty and his greatness and who he is. 
And listen, I'm not, I'm not preaching anybody this morning but myself because I'm guilty of this. That's why as I was reading these things, I was like, man, this is speaking to me because I do that. I get busy. I get busy and I don't stop and think. I don't stop and gaze. I don't, I don't connect. I don't engage. I don't, I'm not intentional. And so what do I do? I float through life understanding that God's presence is with me without ever living in the blessings of his presence. And then he says, I want to inquire. I want to inquire. So I want to dwell. I want to gaze. I want to inquire. I want to learn. I want to know. Matter of fact, if you look at a couple of, uh, if you, matter of fact, I, probably if your Bible's like mine, if you flip back a page, look at Psalm chapter, excuse me, 25. And he says, he says, who is the man well, let me go back to verse four. Let's read that one. That's a good one. It says, make, no, make, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Now go to verse 12. He says, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. Now don't miss this in verse 13, because there's a benefit to this. So there's a benefit to learning God, to knowing God's ways, of him teaching our paths, of him leading us, and to he'll wait on him. To, he says this, his soul shall abide in well-being. Now who, who here does not want to live in well-being? I want to live in well-being. I want you to live in well-being. I assume you want to live in well-being. He says, and of his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. And he says in verse 15, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Carrying this imagery that when we find ourselves in times of trouble, he will pluck us out. Now, I think it stands to ask the question, how do we keep ourselves out of the net? We don't want to find ourselves in trouble, so how do we keep ourselves out of the net? We inquire we're taught, we learn. We spend that time with God learning his precepts and, his, and inquiring in his temple. And David had learned something over the years, and, and, and here's kind of the emphasis of this this morning, is this, while God is everywhere present, only believers experience the blessings of his presence. While God is everywhere present, only believers experience the blessings of his presence. And so I want to spend some time looking at the, the rest of, of Psalm chapter 27 and talking about some of these blessings of God's presence. You see, David makes a, 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 a very confident statement in verses one through three. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. And we have to, we have to ask ourselves, why can David make such a confident statement? Because one thing I have asked of the Lord, that, I, that, will I, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in his house, that I may gaze on his beauty, and that I would inquire in his, in his, in his temple. I have done these things, God. That's why I can say with confidence that though my enemies come after me and evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, it's they who are going to stumble and fall. I'm not going to be left to be ashamed. 
So as we look at these, this chapter and we see the blessings of God's presence, the first thing is, is he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now I thought about this concept of, of light. Nobody likes to live in darkness. I don't know about you, but when the power goes out at my house, like everybody's running around trying to find a flashlight. Why? Because we don't want to live in darkness. We want to live in light. And so as we, I thought about that, and I thought about being out in the ocean and, and the old lighthouses before there was GPS. You, you're, you're straining at sea, what do you do? You look for a light, whether it's the stars or the moon, and, and you can do the navigation that way, or you look for the light on the side. Or, or when darkness surrounds you, you know, the need for light is great, and Jesus is that light that shines in our darkness. Now, the light of Christ kind of has a twofold purpose. Number one, it is a light that lights our way that your word would be a lamp into my feet and a light into my path, that it would give us direction. And God most certainly does that. He does that through his word. He does that through uh, the time we spend in prayer. He does that through the Holy Spirit that communicates with us. And so he is our light. He shows us the way in which we're to go. But there's a second purpose of a light, that that light would shine on the darkness. And so there, there's the pleasantness of the light that, that shows us the way, but the light can also cause discomfort. Like when you're in a dark room or you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and you think you're turning on the small light, but you're flipping on the big light and you're like, oh, right? That light can be harsh sometimes. And you know what? The same thing can happen to us spiritually because the light of Christ will not only shine on the way that we should go and be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path, but the light of God will also shine into the dark places of our hearts, revealing our sin. And why does he do that? So that we can dwell in his presence. Because folks, if there's some sin that we have packed down deep and we've hidden in the dark recesses of our heart, it doesn't matter if we are, it doesn't matter what we try to do with that, that sin is still separating us from God. And so if we will let that light shine, you know, when, when David writes, search me, O God, and, and, and know my thoughts, see if there be any grievous, grie you know, grievous way in me. He's saying, look, I want you to examine me. I don't want to walk far away from you. I want to walk with you. I want to dwell in your presence. And so God, reveal those things to me. And so sometimes the light reveals the sin. Why? So we can repent and walk closer to him. But even in the correction that he, even in his correction, there is still joy and peace. And so if that light shines in a place, we do well to follow it. The second thing is that is the salvation. You know, for us, I think there's two types of testimonies that a Christian has. One, I'm thankful that God saved me out of some things. You know, some of us didn't live a real good life prior to coming to Christ, and Christ comes in and he changed everything about us. And he saves us out of the life that we were in, and he makes us a new creation. For some of us, maybe you got saved at an early age, and God saved you from some things. Maybe as you studied God's word, and, and, and you learned his, his wisdom, and, and, and knew the way that he wanted you to live, maybe it prevented you from making some poor decisions. So God saved you from some things. But, those are, but God is our salvation. David knew, despite the heights that he had reached and despite the heights that, that he had achieved, he still knew where it all came from. He still knew that God was his source 
of salvation, whether it's the salvation of his kingdom, the salvation of his home, or the, or the salvation of him even being king. But he knew that only all his salvation, his, the salvation of his soul, all came from God. And so uh, he knew that God was his salvation. The Almighty was watching over David, and David knew he had nothing to fear. And church, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As David says these three verses with confidence, we can have the same confident attitude. Why? Because of his presence. The third thing we see is, is in verse one, and he says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? Jesus is our stronghold, he's our refuge. If you look uh, at, at, at Psalm 28, verses seven and eight, he says, the Lord is my strength and my shield, in him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with, with him, uh, and, and with my song, I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his, of his anointed. You know, there are times when we feel like there are things that are just, you know, outside of our control, and, 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 and we just get anxious about them, we get worried about them, we get stressed about them. God is our stronghold. He is our tower of strength. He is our shield. He is our portion. He is all, all that we need. The fourth thing this morning is confidence. We saw that in verses one through three. I think three illustrates that. He says, though an army encamp around me, my heart shall not fear. The war arise against me, yet I will be confident. We can have confidence. We don't have to worry. Uh, we see it in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It is words of confidence. Or we look at, at, at Psalm uh, uh, Psalm 29 in its entirety. You know, we see, he says, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Listen to these words. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. These trees were renowned for their girth and their size. And he's saying the voice of the Lord breaks these things. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. He sits enthroned as the king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people and may the Lord bless his people with peace. This confidence we have in the power of our Savior and our God. Verse 5 gives us the next blessing of God's presence. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And as I was reading this and I was thinking about you know, this, this sense of, of protection and, 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 and what he does for us, I couldn't help but my mind to wander. A year ago, we were in Israel and we got to, the, 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 to go to En Gedi. Now, En Gedi is this this 
uh, oasis, if you will, in the middle of this barren area. Like you're in the Dead Sea area. There's no vegetation. There's no growth. It's just this rocky, salty, sandy soil. And you see the Dead Sea out there and nothing lives in it. And yet springing up out of, out of nowhere is this, this oasis that called En Gedi. And, and, and David actually spent time in En Gedi when he was running from, from, from Saul. Remember, Saul wanted to take his life. And so David retreats to En Gedi and he's there. And, and, and it was there that, that he, he protected. As a matter of fact, it said that in, in En Gedi was the place where, uh, where Saul was uh, relieving himself in the cave. And, and David came up and snipped the, the corner of his, of his robe off and said, you know, Saul, if I wanted to kill you, I'd have had a chance there, but I, I didn't want to. But in Gedi is this place and there's water, there's fresh water streaming and there's waterfalls and vegetation, but there are cliffs that are high up that you can look out over areas of the Dead Sea. There are caves that you can hide in. There is vegetation that you can hide in the midst of. And I think David was thinking about this when he, when he says, verse 5, for he will hide me in a shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. God is our source of protection. As we look later on, he's our protection. He, you know, he says you know, that, that there are people who are, have risen against him. There are some that are breathing out violence. There are those that are, are, are uh, false witnesses that have risen against me. He's our protection against all things. And so we trust in that protection. I love this one, verse six. We find the next one. And, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in, uh, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. You see, another blessing of the presence of God for believers is joy. It's joy. He says, in the midst of all this, my enemies are rising against me. False witnesses are, are saying things against me. I've got all this going on. But he says, but I know that my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts, not of woe is me, why is life so difficult, but with shouts of joy, knowing the impending uh, victory he's going to have. Listen, I think, I think in life, You and I, we have a choice. Okay, I don't, don't miss this. We have a choice. We can choose to live in the joy of God or we can choose to live in the negativity that surrounds us. And we make that choice. I choose whether or not I'm gonna have a victorious attitude about my circumstances and situations, whether I'm gonna, I'm gonna echo the, the words of David in confidence, knowing that my God is for me, not against me, or I can mope around life like Eeyore the donkey, saying, woe is me, life is bad, meh, 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 meh. And then it gets to the point that no one even wants to be around you, okay? We have a choice. God did not give us this book so we can walk around saying, boy, I hope I, ha- I hope I have victory. But that's what some of us sound like. Like we just walk around moping like I hope, like it's a, like it's a prayer. You know, I'm gonna put something in a balloon and hope that balloon makes its way through the atmosphere and through space and that prayer reaches God in his celestial home. 
We can choose to live in joy because we have God in it. We have God in our hearts that we have been saved. And, and, and you know, I wouldn't let, willingly let any harm come to my child. Why would I expect God to be any different towards me? He says, if you who are, are sinful or evil can give good gifts to your children, how much better do you think I can give to you? And that gives me confidence that I can choose to walk around thinking about all the things that are wrong and all the things that are bad and all the things that haven't gone my way, or I can stop and think about all the ways that God has blessed me. I can stop and take a look around at how God has has built people up and how God has encouraged people and how God has healed people and how God has delivered people and how God is leading people. I can stop and thinking how he's been a blessing to my life and what he's done and how this church has been a blessing to me. I can stop and think about all those things. Now, which one will I choose to think about? Confession time. You know what I usually think about? The things that aren't going right. And then what do I wind up doing? I wind up getting negative and pessimistic. And then everything, you know, I don't think about the things that are good you know, I got 99 good things, and my mind wants to focus on the one bad, right? But not today. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose that because, you know, some of the things that frustrate me the most are the things that I can do nothing about. I can't even do anything about them. But I dwell on them. I don't dwell in the presence of God. I'm not dwelling in His temple. I'm dwelling in my issues. I'm wallowing in self-misery. I'm not living in confidence. I'm not living in victory. I'm not living in the presence of God. And so we've got to make a choice. Choose to live in joy. I promise you, God's doing a lot more good things around you in your life than bad things are happening. But we have been blinded. We've allowed ourselves to be deceived. And so we've got to choose joy. Let's keep reading. Next one is, is, is help. He is our help. Look at verses seven. Uh, look at verse seven. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You said, seek my face. And Lord, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. He says, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. He says, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. And again, he says, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. He is our help. It does not matter what we are enduring. It doesn't matter what we are facing. He is our help. And David has given us some specific ways he helps us. He says that he comforts the abandoned. He says, my father and mother have forsaken me but the Lord will take me in. So he, he, he comforts the abandoned and he vindicates the falsely accused. And the last thing this morning that we, one of the, the blessings that we find in Psalm 27, the blessings in the presence of God is this. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now I want you to stop and think about that. Stop and think about that. I believe, or, or another translation reads this, oh, had I not believed that I shall look upon the, the goodness of the Lord. Either way, he's telling us where his hope lies. He says, listen, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
that my hope is not a someday in heaven. My hope exists right here, right now, where I'm at. That I believe that I will experience the goodness of God in the, in the land of the living. And so he says this, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now I want to focus on that courage part. You see, what is courage? Courage is faith in action. It is living out these things that we, that we profess to believe. That I have a living hope that God has caused me to be born again, to borrow from Peter, that it caused me to be born again into a living hope that I believe that I, will, that I will experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. He gives us courage. Courage to do the right thing. Courage to, 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 to continue living as God has called us to live. I love that he gives us direction. I love that he gives us timing. And I love that God gives us courage. I want to wrap it up this morning just with, with just something. As, as David wrote, you know, in Psalm, Psalm 28, or eight, Psalm 42, I think it is, 42.1. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Matter of fact, I want to read it because the second part of that verse is really good. And he says, my soul, verse two, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You ever been so thirsty that only water tastes good? Like you just, or, or have you ever just been so thirsty, like you just were just desperate for a drink of water? And he's saying, listen, as the deer pants for the water, Lord, so my soul, it, it longs, it longs for you. Like it's not like, man, eh, I kind of miss him. It's my soul longs. There's a longing, a desire. You see, listen, every single one of us, every person that was ever born was created with a desire to have a relationship with God. Every single one of us. It is part of our DNA. Now, scientists probably aren't bothered with trying to find where in our DNA that is found, but it is. It is found somewhere, I don't know scientifically, but you get the point, right? That we are created, when God breathed life into us, he crea- when, when he created us, and, and with a desire to have a relationship with him. But we become distracted by other things. Our attention gets driven elsewhere. Our affections pursue other things. One thing I ask, one thing I seek after, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That I would gaze upon his beauty and that I may inquire in his temple I don't know where you're at in your relationship with the Lord many of you are saved this morning some of you may not be but I know this I'd venture to say that all of us in some area of our life have been distracted We 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 may have dwelt at one point in the temple or in the presence of God, all our stuff may be there, but we're not actually physically staying there anymore. We're off somewhere else. Let us move back in. Let us have the same hope that David had. I believe 
that I will experience the goodness of God in this life, here. But folks, listen, the goodness of God resides in the presence of God, and if we're living outside his presence, we can't expect his blessing. Whether you're a Christian here or non-Christian this morning, that truth is universal. If we want to live in the blessings of God, we got to live in the presence of God. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence this morning.